0: everybody. I really do hope you love listening to The Megan James Show. Did you know that you can actually get paid just for listening to this podcast? I know it sounds insane, but it's true. We just discovered this free new app called PodCoin, and it literally pays you to listen to podcasts. So here's how it works. You listen to podcasts, and you earn PodCoin while you listen. Then you turn that PodCoin in for gift cards at places like Amazon or Starbucks, or... If you're a good generous person, you can even donate that Podcoin to charity. The more you listen, the more you earn. So here's what you do: download the app right now on iPhone or Android, and I have a special code for you. Simply use our code, Megan James, and you'll get 300 Podcoin just for signing up. And if you listen to enough of us on here, then you can get a cappuccino at Starbucks or an Amazon gift card on us. So. Go ahead and go listen to this podcast or virtually any podcast on podcoin and sign up with the code megan james i swear it'll change the way you listen to podcast thanks for listening guys and here's our show hey guys so in this interview i had the opportunity to sit down with three of the four owners of the Kernersville brewing company They've been around since 2015 and their first beer came out in March of 2016. But they already have over 3,400 followers on Facebook. So it may seem like they've amassed a sort of overnight following and success, but they actually have had more time in the game than many people realize. They have over two decades of brewing experience between them. And they were kind enough to indulge me by answering all of my questions without any complaints. We discussed the construction of the brewery, the tap room, the funding of the business, marketing the business, maintaining a work-life balance, and so much more guys. I am so excited to bring this content and this information to you today. I cannot wait to see your reaction. Um, I would give you a background, but they do that for me at the beginning of the episode. So I'm not going to take up any more of your time, but just make sure you got a notepad handy that you're able to take notes and just give it your full attention, guys. I'm so excited. Without further ado, here's our show. What's up guys? This is Megan James coming at you live from the Megan James show. I'm here with a few guests. We're here with Rick, Dwight, and Eric. Eric. We are actually sitting in the Kernersville Brewing Company. I don't know how many of you guys have heard of this. I know we got some world-renowned people on here, but this is one of the best bars I've ever been to. And for those of you who don't know, I've worked in the bar scene for probably a decade. Um, These people have really got it figured out, and they have such a unique background that I had to share it with you guys today. So let me just describe where we're sitting. Um, I'm looking around at hand crafted wood bar finishes. I'm looking around at bar stools, this rustic iron and wood mix. There are beautiful murals on the wall. Their tap lines would make any bar manager jealous. Guys, a phenomenal place, a phenomenal atmosphere. And when you're here and it's full, you can feel the energy, feel the vibes, and it's something unlike anything I've ever felt. So I kind of want to talk to them today to figure out how they've managed to master this. And um, with that, I'll go ahead and and start in on this interview. So a lot of people that are on this podcast talk to us about more self-development, business development, that kind of thing. So many of them don't know about the brewing process. Uh, Would you guys be able to give us some insight on on how that works, the actual brewing process?
1: Well, one thing that I've always said is that uh, what you're selling is not necessarily the product. You're selling an experience. So you want to make an experience that people want to come back and do it again and they want to bring their friends with them the the next time. And uh, that's been a, a motto that I, I've, you know, passed on uh, to my partners and our employees and, uh, and they really carried through with it.
0: That's so true. And I noticed the first time we ever came in here, that was the first thing I noticed is how welcoming the environment was and how I definitely wanted to come back. You know, we've been back several times, but It was just that that feeling of, like, you've left home, but it doesn't quite feel that way. It feels like there's more comfort here, and Mm -hmm. I really like it. Um, So, you know, you've built a successful brewery. And I, I talked to Rick personally, and you mentioned that you didn't work in a bar before this.
2: Yeah, so none of us had it. Right. So none of us had never really worked in the bar. I think Eric might have had a little bit of bar experience in college. Uh, <laughs> he just, just held his fingers yeah. to show a little bit. <laughs> so we, we, we didn't know what we didn't know. Okay. And part of that learning curve was just going different places, um, seeing what we liked, kind of picking and choosing, borrowing those, borrowing those ideas mm-hmm. and trying to incorporate them into this space and into our brewery as well. So we've had a lot of folks in this area who brew, who have really just been gracious and willing to help us out. Uh, couldn't have got here without that help.
0: That's awesome.
3: And the other uh, the other thing that we got very, very lucky on was we uh, had hired um, Vinny DeBrascio. Okay. Who, Vinny's our uh, taproom manager. It's our
2: taproom manager mm-hmm. and uh, marketing coordinator.
3: Yeah, and so Vinny, has uh, a lot of restaurant experience, a lot of bar experience, and um, that was a huge uh, thing for us uh, to, to have Vinny uh, come on board and hire him full time. He had actually worked for us more of an intern for almost a year. About a year, unpaid intern. Unpaid intern, wow. yeah. Whatever
2: we needed, he That's was there awesome. when we needed it.
3: And we were, we were very, like to Rick's point, which is – valid very valid point we went to a lot of different breweries and a lot of different places dwight myself rick and we thought of things that we wanted and we didn't want and of course this place isn't perfect it's not everything that we it's
1: still under development
3: right so uh but you know uh, we tried not to copy anyone but we just knew what we wanted to do and and um you know the the people that worked on the bar and every bit of the people that worked in here—it's just it's it's a lot of craftsmanship yeah
0: and it's evident I mean from everything from the bar itself to the you know just the the intricate details that you guys you can tell the work you've put in and it just everything flows it's not like you haven't got some random thing in the corner you know it's a a continuous thing that you've worked really hard to establish and it's phenomenal Um, so can you talk to us about how we get What's in the brew to the tap, to the person? How does that work?
2: Yeah, so I think the best way to start with that is just at the very beginning of the brew process, which really starts with logistics. Okay. Um, you know, what grain you're going to get, where you're going to get it from, and all, and that's all dependent on what type of beer that you're wanting to brew. And so logistics, you, you don't think about it in the brewing process, but it's, it's a big part of it. And the other part, uh, probably as big as anything, is cleaning yeah uh, having a clean brewery uh, making mm-hmm. sure you're you're following all your your CIP rules and things like that yep are a huge part uh, of the brewing process and then you can kind of start peeling back the onion on what it takes to brew a beer yeah.
1: right so and like Rick said you know good sanitation is key you got to have the ingredients on hand not just the grain but the particular hops that you need for each beer um, and then coming up with a, a brewing plan, how, how often we're going to brew this beer, mm-hmm. how, how long is it going to take from the day we brew it to the day you can drink it, how quickly can we get it in the tap room? Yeah,
0: that's a lot of learning, too. To
3: yeah, and, and one thing that I think we've been pretty fortunate on is that Kernsville Brewing Company, a lot of people don't realize this, we've been around since since 2015. So we've brewed beer for that long a period of time. I think our actually first beer came out in March of 2016. Right. And for all of us, it was a huge advantage because, you know, we have all our recipes. We've been doing this for several years. Everything is, is, is where it needs to be. Um, we're going to have to make some adjustments once the 10 barrel's up, but I think the beers are going to stay pretty consistent. And we... Um, We've wholesaled for two years, so it's it's made it's made a good thing for us to, to start slower.
2: When Eric says ten barrel, we're just we're upgrading from a smaller system to a, a ten barrel brewing system, which for us is a big a big jump. And just back to the original question, you know that brewing process, you know, really starts with the logistics and the for- recipe formulations, and then it becomes you know a matter of being a brewer. So you'll mill your grain. Once your grain is milled. You take it to the mash, you know, go from the mash to the boil. Yep. And then from there, you know, the fermentation, you pitch your yeast. Right, which um,
0: I think we talked about a funny story. Uh, would you mind sharing that story when you first started brewing about?
2: Yeah, so I'm, I might be 21. Let's just say for this, I'm 21. <laughs> and my parents' friends across the street had received a, a home brew kit for his birthday. And he just decided this is too much work. It's too much trouble. Um, I'm not going to use it and he gave it to me as a gift just said here you can have it. I was super excited took it home Um, I made a batch of beer that week. It was an ale and Everything went great Uh, Put it in the carboy put it in a closet for it to ferment and after a few days there was just no activity uh, in the fermentation process So, I just literally got my notes and went back and started reading through everything. And as I'm flipping through these pages, a pack of yeast falls out. So, I had not pitched any yeast (laughs) on my first brew. So, I don't even know if it qualifies as a brew at that point.
0: (laughs) I think it does. Practice makes perfect, guys. And you clearly have had a lot of practice. So, all right, I know you said about 21. So, in an estimate, how long do you think you guys have been practicing the brewing process, learning how to brew through the recipes? and building it from scratch. Oh,
3: Dwight's the original. He's been doing it for over yeah. 20 years.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah. So I started homebrewing over 20 years ago. And then it was about 2011 that I upgraded my brewing system, built a, up, renovated an old tractor shed on the family farm so we could do all, all grain brewing there. And suddenly everybody was excited about it, including Eric. And uh, so we we would brew 40 some weekends a year oh my gosh. uh 10 gallons at a time and uh never ran out of beer but uh we never ran out of company either there were lots of people that came by yep. and then that was the um uh, i think the uh spark and in, in eric that carried it through and he was the one who surprised me saying he had uh, filed for an llc for Kernels brewing company uh mm-hmm. in 2014, and uh, I said, okay, uh, <laughs> because we were still in the tractor shed at that point, and uh, he said, I just don't want to let that name slip away, I don't want somebody else to start a Kernsville Brewing Company. Yeah,
0: because it was bound to happen, I mean, you guys had the perfect name right. that fits right in, yes. and is, I like the abbreviation, KPC is a you know, household Abbreviation. Everyone knows
3: what KBC is. That, that was actually a, a, a friend of ours that came up with that. Actually, he's on the wall, Ben Jamming. Okay. He, he's actually the one that that at first. You know, hey, I have to give him the credit. He's the one that said, you know, you should guys be Kernsville Brewing Company. KBC said it's it's great. Yeah. And we actually tried to get another name. Um, uh, Rick and I had searched. Um, Early on, too, and and we were going to do Piedmont Brewing Company. Uh, And, you know, of course, that was already, you know, somebody has never done a Piedmont Brewing, but they own the rights to the name. So, um, you know, that was one thing that we fought back and forth when I fought, but we we talked back and forth, you know, us being Kernersville Brewing Company. There's really not a whole lot of those out there. You know, everybody has their own name, like Wise Man or Fillin' Fish or their own brand. And, you know, sometimes that may be we're pigeonholed into Kernersville because that's what it but is. But you know but, where to find us. But you know where to find <laughs> us. <laughs> right. And I tell you, our, our patrons in Kernersville, um, not only from Oak Ridge, we have people come from everywhere, but the, mm-hmm. the folks in Kernersville have been huge supporters of us, mm-hmm. huge.
0: I mean, your name stretches all the way to High Point. Um, um, you know, I was talking to people actually last night we went to a midnight paddling session and there was people that had heard of you guys. And not only had they heard of you guys, they have been here several times. So, I mean, you guys are, are expanding quickly.
2: Yeah, kind of along those same lines. When we first opened, um, those first few weeks that we were open full time to the public, I knew 99% of the people that came through the doors, um, as well as Dwight and Eric. They, they knew everybody in here. And now, you know, that number is probably, and I know 25% of the people that walked through the wow. door personally prior to KBC opening. Right. Uh, so the it has started to really spread, and, we, and we're getting a lot of different people from the surrounding areas coming in, not just people we knew prior to Kernersville Brewing.
0: So how have you guys managed to, because I looked at your following on Facebook, you've got like 5,000 likes and followers. You know, how have you managed? Is it marketing or?
2: So, you know, one of the, the lucky things, the – whatever you want to call it that happened to us is we our path and Vinny's path crossed and, and Vinny had a really good feel for that type of marketing the social media uh, he's a little bit younger than us and so he, he gets it a little bit better than we do he, he, he grew up in the middle of it and so he's done a great job with giving us a, a present out there on the social media when to do it how to do it and how to be as effective as possible. So, so uh, he gets a ton of credit for that.
0: How long had he spent, um, had he ever like managed a bar, marketed a bar?
2: So Vinny's background, he had been in bars, uh, he had been in restaurants. Um, when he, he Vinny is, um, his postgraduate degree is in, I forget which business field it was His master's in. master's is, is in business, I think. Yeah. Okay, cool. yeah. So he's got a good... So yeah, opinion. he has a good feel for it. And he was he was working for a company that went in and audited bars okay. um, cool. when we crossed paths with one another. So prior to him coming on full time, that's what he was doing. He was going in in the evenings or in the mornings when the bars were closed mm-hmm. and doing an audit on their alcohol, whether it be beer, liquor, wine, whatever.
0: Yep. I remember when i was in the bar scene those people we oh my gosh it, you dreaded them coming so you had to make sure your juices were labeled you know everything was dated everything was was ready um so that's awesome that you guys were able to find somebody with that much experience and talent and now you know with y'all's background and his everything is starting to piece it, together it
2: all yeah kind of really meshed, dovetailed together really well for us and for benny too i feel like um you know, Vinny, we consider him as much a part as us. I mean, really, where there's four of us. Know, I mean, you look at the picture on the wall, yeah. there's
3: four of us. We definitely mm-hmm. feel that way. It'd yeah. uh, be a lot nicer if he had some skin in the game. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, anyway, he's, yeah, put a time. <laughs> he's put a lot of time here, yeah. so I yeah. uh, can't say enough about him.
0: A lot of blood, sweat, and tears here. Um, so how did you guys, it, you know, come up with your capital to actually do this? Because I know real estate here on Main Street, it can't be – you know, inexpensive, plus, you know, constructing a bar can be quite pricey on top of that a brewery. How did you manage to do that? You know,
2: that was a, a multi-headed approach that we had. One of those was just our own personal money is in here. Um, mm-hmm. We're all heavily vested in this this mm-hmm. company. Uh, we all believe in this company, or I don't think the three of us would do it. Right. Um, in addition to that, we started a thing called the Founders Club. And Basically, uh, the people who are Founders Club members provided us with some upfront cash. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in return for that, they got uh, some merchandising. Uh, they also got their name up in the tap room on the, some wooden boards we had produced. And they also get their beer served in a Founders Club mug. Just a, w- a way to say, hey, thank you, we appreciate it. I believe we ended up with about 170 of those Founders members. Wow. So it gave us some real operating capital as we're trying to open up, as we're trying to make things happen.
0: How did you go about finding these individuals or did they find you?
2: We, so, it, again, that was another one of those things. We used social media. We had some rack cards made that we would pass out at local businesses that, that listed out you know, what the Founders Club was, who KBC was, you know, what we wanted to be, and kind of where we wanted to go with it. We probably should have done it after we opened. Well, there's many people that yeah want to do it now Yeah, now people come in they <laughs> see the founders boards and are like how do i get on that board yeah and we're like those boards are there now it's too late and um, then we had cornerstone and yeah and in addition to the founders club there was another higher level of giving or vesting in our company um, and those folks are called cornerstones um spelled k-o-r-n-e-r originally kernersville it's a very old uh, community it was founded by a gentleman named corner and I guess over the years it just morphed into Kerner and became Kernersville, um, but we called those members Cornerstone members just a play on words there, uh, spelled with the K. and they gave a little bit higher level, and one of the ways we recognized those folks was also a board, a large board in the tap room with their name on it, and we also put their, their name or their company logo on our glassware.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So I'm looking at one right now that says Concrete Craft. So that's that's a unique way of, of building a kind of joint venture partnership. Yeah,
2: and, and you know, you mentioned Concrete Craft. Uh, that gentleman there, uh, just, you know, uh, one of the examples, his name is Jason Berry. Okay. He owns a, con- a concrete company here in Kernersville. He does excellent work. He's a super nice person, and he's the reason we have the floor that we have in this facility. Wow.
0: Um, this he- is like a – they – the blend of coloring in your floor. You don't see it anywhere. else. It's
2: a toffee colored floor. Um, It's over top of the old concrete that we just spent days and weeks grinding up. Oh my gosh, Um, that's
0: a lot of work. It
2: was a lot of work. I'm really happy with the outcome. Uh, But again, um, that's, you know, just another example of a Cornerstone member like Jason Berry Mm -hmm. and Concrete Craft making this happen for us. Yeah,
1: Yeah. so there's just a lot of partnership because we wanted this to be a not just we, we did not want it to be a bar we wanted it to right. be a community meeting place and we got a lot of buy-in partnership with a community with lots of individuals uh, businesses that yep. people just wanted to be uh, a part of what was happening here
0: yeah and the thing i like about this place is a lot of bars that are labeled as bars they come off trashy and you get that trashy bar vibe. This doesn't feel that way. It's like a high end almost like a coffee shop but with a retail establishment and then this kind of like cool vibe where you can have your meetings and mm-hmm. and you know, families are welcome. Like it it just is really unique. Something I haven't seen anywhere else, especially not in town. Mm-hmm. Um, well
1: one thing you did mention Megan earlier is yeah. how much daylight is in here. <laughs> yeah. I mean so we right. we put in a uh, large window this this is a very dismally lit place when we took ownership or started to lease it and we put in these large windows, opened up the front and the back uh, because we wanted it to be uh, a bright airy place.
0: I think that's one of the most intelligent things you guys did was there's two garage doors guys. There's one in the front and one in the back and because they don't have a patio right outside because they're actually on Main Street, it's hard to have a patio on Main Street they have their own sort of indoor patio. So they don't have to worry if it rains, they've got a garage door and overlook. Um, And it really opens the place up. It feels like you're outside, but still enjoying the AC, it's nice.
3: Yeah, and Rick's, you know, Rick's wanted to, he wanted to put the windows in. And one of his ideas was we wanted to actually, where we could open these windows. And that was one of the things that we found that the, since it was level with the um, sidewalk, some of these lower windows, these first two, (laughs) that the town wouldn't let us do it because of safety issues of of people coming in and out.
2: To Eric's point originally, yeah, those were going to be uh, all the way down to the floor. You could open them up. But our floor is literally, to Eric's point, is lower than the street level in a couple of places. So this is what we have. We made it work. um, And, you know, there again, we got very fortunate. Uh, We had a lot of help. With the windows
3: and the windows were the very first thing that we did here. that was the very first thing we did, and uh, it was
2: a very loud mess. A very
3: loud and <laughs> challenging mess. <laughs> These are you know, the people on the cast can't see them, but they're fairly large windows. It was it was actually easier to put the windows in than it was to get all the other stuff out. Yeah, to take the wall down. <laughs> they're to put easily, what
0: six feet tall, by maybe
2: five three. by seven. Yeah, but
3: the block is twelve inches thick. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was actually. Um, it was a lot of work. It took yeah. a week to, to even get the windows sawed out—a whole
0: week. Like, is that refinished barnwood that surrounds? That's exactly the wood.
2: what that is. Yeah. Right. yeah. So, yeah so
1: all the wood you see underneath the bar mm-hmm. and around that frames out the windows and stuff uh, came from um, a family barn uh, okay. on the family farm uh, that I uh, dismantled um, I don't know 10 or 15 years ago, and uh, I set that wood back, hoping that. Maybe someday build a smaller barn out of it, but I, I'm, I call it legacy lumber uh, it. that's in here. And I'm really pleased how it's turned out. And we had a, um, a family friend, uh, Chad Davis, who's done a tremendous amount of work in here, a lot of great craftsmanship. Uh, we give him all the credit for how this place turned out on the
2: woodworking side
3: and he and rick built the bar the top of the bar is uh red red oak and you can tell the story of how chad got
2: that wood yeah so our our bar surface is these wide 16 um, 18 inch uh, wide planks of red oak that uh chad used to play in when he was a kid Um, for whatever reason they had to cut that tree down but he had an uncle who was smart enough to take it to the sawmill and slab it out They held onto it for years. Uh, Chad had the intent later on to put it down in floors in a house. It never worked out. So when we were batting around what ideas to put for our bar surface, Chad says, I have something you may be interested in. So when we saw it, we fell in love with it. We said, that's exactly it. So we tried to keep it as natural, try to keep it as much character in the wood as we could. So we didn't saw out the sawmill blade or sand out the sawmill blades. We left everything as close to the original state as possible. So when you come in, you see the bar top, it will have a coat of epoxy resin on it, but it's going to look just like it looked the day they took
0: it through the sawmill. Yeah, and the thing I like about your bar top is it's got color in it. You know, it's just that unique little, you don't, if you're not looking for it, you won't know what's there is in certain spots and it's it's beautiful. It really brings out that wood finish.
2: Yeah, the, so we went with some um, blue coloring where we had knots or splits or the imperfections in the wood that would create a divot or a void and to your point I, I really feel like that blue just kind of brought out the other reds and, and different colors in the surface of the bar.
0: Yep, and I think it draws the eye to that so that's one of those landmark features when you come to this bar that's the first thing that you really see. Um, so you guys talked about earlier we were talking about how you offer things on Groupon you know you have promotional deals um, what kind of avenues have you guys been able to utilize since your opening that have really helped? Other than like Groupon, um, have you how have you been able to keep up with these events and promotions?
2: So the number one thing for us is making sure everybody is on the same page. So when we are not on the same page, we kind of tend to have some hiccups. So we do have a calendar. It's a shared calendar between all of us: uh, Vinny, Dwight, Eric, and myself. And so, as events happen or get scheduled, we, we lay those into the calendar, and we try to meet as often as once a week. We don't always make it happen, but we do try to have a meeting where we just sit down and talk about KBC business. Cool. Uh, we'll cover, you know, things like events, uh, what's coming up, um, and, and we look out, um, you know, whether it's a week or, you know, 18 weeks. Mm-hmm. We're looking down the road at, at what's coming, and we, and we try to get all that. On one page in a calendar so that we're aware of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as like the Groupon events, things like that go, again, Vinny is a big proponent of that. It, it brings people in that might not necessarily know we're here or know who we are, but they know who Groupon is. Yeah. So they'll go to Groupon and then that's how they find us.
0: Yeah, and it's a brilliant marketing campaign. I mean, even my wife uses it. I don't, I always forget. And she's always on that, you know, looking for massages and all kinds of stuff. And when she she actually came across and she was like, KBC has one. And I was like, oh, I didn't even realize. And um, I think that's a great way of bringing in new people. I was just, I was very impressed by that. Um, So you talked about your calendar. What are some other, I guess, uh, productivity hacks or things that have made it easier to juggle your life outside of here and the bar itself?
2: So the three of us. Still have I call them our grown-up jobs. Uh, we each still have our grown-up job. Um, Eric is a financial planner. Uh, I'm a planning materials manager for a textile company, and Dwight um, works for. I'm sorry, you're under contract now with who, Dwight? Oh
1: no, uh, Wake Forest uh, University School of Medicine. But I will retire on November first and stop juggling. And can you, just, uh, can, be you a can you write driver. that down? On yeah. your sheet we we'll we'll want to what, that. what was the what was the what date was again? November first. <laughs> November. Okay. You can write that down. November first,
3: <laughs> two thousand nineteen. Dwight will retire. That's right. Okay, so
1: and become much more available. But uh, what Rick's talking about, I think, is that we're really faced with trying to juggle um, two sets of responsibilities, having our full-time employment, uh, the thing that got us where we are today financially, and then trying to operate this business. Yeah. Uh, again, we can't mention Vinny Brasheo enough that he is the, the glue that makes the rest of this happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was our, our first paid hire in uh, January of this year. And um, it, it's, it's literally taken the four of us and uh, we wouldn't have got it done w- uh, without him.
2: Right. So, you know, in the this business, there's really two businesses, I, I feel like. There, there's your tap room, tasting room business, yep. and then there's your brewery side of the business. Yep. And so we've tried to, to not necessarily divide it, but um, assign responsibilities, you know, kind of who's going to be where. So there, there's a leader in those areas, and, and things can happen. So um, Vinny and I handle a lot more of the tap room responsibilities uh, whether it be you know just scheduling staffing ordering beer uh, being here on the daily basis uh, as a manager on duty uh, that type thing eric and dwight handle a lot more of the the brewery side of it on uh, the, the day di- yeah the day-to-day brewing um, the ordering of grains uh the scheduling of you know what beer is going to be made when that type thing we do try to meet as a group again and and discuss those and say hey this is moving well this isn't moving well you know this is what we need to put into the rotation but it's a big elephant Uh, and the only way to eat it is one bite at a time so you just got (laughs) to get in there and 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 do it and we've done a pretty good job so far of you know Dwight and I have our
3: opinions about the tasting room and we'll offer those opinions but we let Vinny and Rick do what basically they do and it's the same at the brewery You know, we can't micromanage every aspect of it. So so, uh, Rick and Vinny doesn't come over to the brewery and go, hey, you need to do this, this, or this. They may say, hey, this beer wasn't quite, you know, what we had anticipated or, you know, I'm just using that get a, as an example.
1: IPA on tap next. Yeah, we, we want IPA. Yeah,
3: something like that. Yeah. So we we we've tried, like Rick said, it, it's not it's it's not separated, but we we try to run each of them that way, and it yes. seems to work.
2: Yeah, with us all having you know full time jobs in addition to the business, mm-hmm. um, really that's our only way we I I, I feel like we could manage it is just okay. you know take different silos of responsibility. And and go from there.
0: And I think that's awesome, and especially that there's not one of you that's trying to do everything. That you're not involved in like everything at once, and you have to be just as good at, at this sphere as you have to be. You've taken your strong suits and you've stuck with those, and you work with the other people who have strong suits in these spheres. And I like that you come together and communicate. So if you're on the tap room side and you say, Hey, well, look, we we tap this keg tonight and we're done we don't have any more so obviously there's something we need to to keep going either with a special or something like that so that's awesome that you're communicating um so I guess work-life balance would come into play do any of you have kids or
2: we all have children we all have families uh, we're all married um so my wife and I have been married 27 years I have a son who just graduated college wow. and I have a daughter who is a rising sophomore and you know, I won't speak for Eric and Dwight, but you know, certainly with the new business, hopefully as time progresses and the business grows, um, more time is available to spend with family. Right. But uh, a new business that you're trying to grow is is like uh, having a child. Yes. Uh, you have to spend a lot of time with it. You have to nurse it. You have mm-hmm. to to bring it along. So kind of to your question, it does take you away from your family. Fortunately, this is a family environment. We try to build it that way. We try to make it feel that way as much as possible. So our families can come to us, whether it's here or at the brewery. And uh, Mm -hmm. certainly I know my parents are here. Eric's parents come here. Uh, Our wives and children come here. Dwight's children and wife come here. Mm -hmm. So we do get to see them, maybe just not in the home setting as much as in the work setting.
0: Do you guys ever have to schedule, like, certain family days or anything like that, or do you ever just? Some
3: of us have more personal days than others. Let's just say That's that. all we'll say about <laughs> it. That's all we're going to say about that. Some of us have more personal <laughs> yeah. days than others.
2: We've got to go to HR and talk about that. But,
3: you know, I, that part of, you know, uh, t- just to go, to my daughter's in, in, in college, uh, she's a rising senior, and, I, and, and Dwight's children, he can speak yeah. to that later, but th- they're, we do have older children so it does make it a little bit easier for us we don't have younger kids that require us as much you know uh, to be hands-on but it is a lot for us to to do um, but with that being said again there's four of us and if um, you know, rick doesn't feel well or he's, he's sick or, or whatever he's off and and dwight is on vacation and uh you know at least there's there's vinnie and i or vice versa the same way i mean it's, so it it's collectively having this many people um and we have a great bar staff too yeah. uh and they actually um if we really needed some of those guys and girls as well i mean we, we could use them at the brewery uh just as easy as we could here so
1: right
0: and that's something we, that i forgot to mention on my behalf where's your brewery located
1: it's at uh 1031 east mountain street in okay. So it's an old um, tobacco warehouse park that rjr built back in the 50s, 50s i guess mm-hmm. and uh so it's about a mile and a half from the tap room and uh, that's where our one barrel and ten barrel brewery are, are located. And
3: originally, we were going to put it here, mm-hmm. and between the health department and the town of Kernersville, it was just—it wasn't that they said no. It was just the logistics of how we would have had to do things. And to be honest with you, we would have never had the space. It no. would—it all worked out better where we are now. Um, and uh, Rick and Dwight and I made a decision on whether we were going to keep the old brewery or sell it and um, it worked out just to go ahead and keep it. So now we'll run two of those breweries over there. So, awesome. um, so
1: we'll develop into definitely large 10 barrel batches of our uh, flagship beers and then our one barrel system be a lot of uh, one of special releases, yep. uh, those kind of things.
2: Experiment, experimental beers.
1: Yep. I yeah, I think,
0: you. I, I mean, I'm drinking one right now uh, that's absolutely phenomenal. Um, can you tell us about the? Uh, you said pineapple cider.
2: Uh, that one's actually. I'm sorry. That one, Megan, is not ours. Uh, <laughs> our newest beer out. Um, we didn't have one up today. Okay. Um, but it's called uh, Feeling Minnesota, and we're, we're brewing that with a with a kevik yeast. It's a Norwegian style mm-hmm. yeast. Um, it ferments at a lot higher temperature, and in the process of that fermentation, that yeast throws off a lot of pineapple flavor
0: and that was the one I had last time the, the, yes that ma'am was, mm-hmm. I could tell the difference between the two but that one was I, it's unlike anything I've ever tasted it has just a, a kick of tang with some you can taste the pineapple but it's not overwhelming it's and we were hoping
3: to have a new uh, Norwegian IPA out today that we've not named yet so, so th- those beers from from brew, brew to keg is seven to eight days wow it's pretty fast yeah that is quick um uh, and so hot
1: fermentation's uh,
3: is 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 a little different, so we're going to start going to, to doing some one ofs and some different things. That's so, cool. yeah.
0: Um, okay, so I'll just get you a couple more questions. Um, what are some obstacles that you encountered along the way through this building process, and you know what valuable lessons did you learn from these?
3: Patience. don't don't say when
1: you're going to open (laughs) (laughs) don't uh, ever put a date on anything we do (laughs) avoid (laughs) avoid predictions that uh, when we we took occupancy uh, at least of the space that we're in in January of last year and our first hope is that oh we'll open by May uh, in time for the big corners uh day folly uh that they have was first saturday in may that, no. that certainly didn't happen <laughs> well maybe by the end of the summer no maybe by the end of october um may it's got to happen before the end of the year christmas we're having a christmas, <laughs> christmas party, party here <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so january 18th of this year we finally got the doors open uh and along the way um it, there's the scope of what has to be done yeah is uh, unimaginable when you have basically a blank canvas space, but also means you've got to put a new finish on everything.
3: And we and we GC this whole job, so we didn't have a general contractor. So the four of us um, basically, I think, other than the HVAC in this and the and the electrical. and the electrical um, and part of the plumbing, we did. 75 percent of all the work ourselves or either our friends did um you know we had a lot of friends you know rick and i had two friends that that just phenomenal that worked up here until you know
2: nine and ten o'clock at night framing all this out for us i mean mean, we were here and and basically just were gophers at at that point those guys uh, just were unbelievable and a big part of why this space got open but we could have done some things differently
3: but i mean we've we've tried to you know add things as we've went but i as far as having to change anything that we've done i mean it was just it was a lot of stuff and it was you know it was us having to do it, so many different tasks it just but as far as i'm concerned i wouldn't have changed anything we've done um,
1: well and the fact that we did so much of it ourselves we've got a real sense of ownership about sure. you know if we'd had 10 times as much money to open this place it would open sooner but we wouldn't have had our or handprints on it near as and much I don't as think it would not have like had this. this feel that <laughs> it has, <laughs> no, absolutely not. No, no. It
2: feels very organic, uh, yeah. and I love that about it.
0: Like yeah. Very homegrown, just like the town. Mm-hmm. Um, so off of that, do you guys have a, a, like a failure, a parent failure, that maybe set you up for success later on, or a favorite failure?
2: I never like to fail. Um, certainly there's lessons there, and... The most obvious, you know, is always perseverance. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we got a lot of setbacks in this process, um, whether it be from, you know, something we wanted to add in here that the, the town said no, you can't do that, or you know, North Carolina ABC board said, you know, that's yes. not that's not allowed. Uh, so you just learn to to figure out a way around things you can't do. And so, if, you know, for your listeners, the one thing I would say, if if you want to do it and you believe in it, stick to that that goal. Just find a way to get. You can get there. You you may have to take a different route. Yeah, just a detour. A a detour. Yeah. You just. There's a lot of adaptation that has to happen. That's
0: awesome. And the last question I want to ask you guys. You guys have kids in college. So for our listeners who are college students about to head out to the real world, what is some real world advice that you can give them?
2: Work. uh, Show up early. You know, put in extra effort. Um, Be willing to take on more responsibility those are huge things that that you, you can't teach just go do it you don't have to have a, a super high IQ you don't have to have a lot of money but you know you can put in the effort you can want the responsibility you can go out and just have the drive
0: I love it. yeah that's that's so true and so few people coming out into the world right now are understanding that I found so that's that's awesome But with with you guys, I appreciate your time today. And you've really, I think, given some nuggets of wisdom, some laughs, and some good times. Megan, this was fun.
3: Thank you. Yeah, thank you.
1: Thank you very much.
0: And with that, we're signing off, guys. Catch us on the flip side.